0: The topics discussed in today's podcast are not meant to diagnose a medical problem. If you're having a medical problem, please contact your doctor immediately.
1: Welcome to an apple a day, a podcast, a resource, a community. Share your experiences and learn from others as we overcome barriers and learn to live a happy and healthy life. Not as disabled people, but as people with a disability. Welcome to the community. Here's your host, Jimmy Apple.
0: Welcome to another episode of An Apple a Day. I'm your host, Jimmy Apple. Hey, An Apple a Day is brought to you by www.famousapple.com. Famousapple.com is the home site for this podcast. So if you get a minute, check it out. How you feeling today, my friend? You feeling good? You are feeling strong? You are feeling better than you did yesterday? Excellent. You can't ask for better than that. Hey, I want to remind you, we have a page on Facebook called Living With a Disability. It's a great page. There's people over there chatting. They're making friends. They're answering questions. They're asking questions. You got to go over there. They're having fun. They're having fun. You should have fun, too. Join the page. You can go to www.famousapple.com forward slash group. That's G-R-O-U-P. Go over there, sign in, join in the conversation. We get a lot of our topics from that page. So you can be part of the podcast also. It's a lot of fun. Go over there, make some friends. There's people over there from around the world. And I want to share with you. As of September 28th, this year, we are now heard in 98 countries. That's right. We add the country of Jordan to our list of countries who are listening to this podcast. 98 countries. Welcome, Jordan. Welcome to the listeners from Jordan. Welcome, everybody. I am so excited about that. 98 countries are listening to this podcast podcast. And without the listeners, we're nothing. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I'm so happy. We have got a good one for you today. And this is very important. You know, as people with disabilities, we become sedentary, for lack of a better word. Now, not because we want to be, but because of our disability or or disabilities. We come home from the hospital, and the doctors tell us, you have to get some rest. Sometimes we take that to heart. You know, you got to get some rest. Okay, put our feet up on the couch, watch TV, snack a little bit, and what happens? We start putting on weight. We do what the doctors tell us. We're getting rest. So we get up in the morning, we get out of bed, we make our way to the couch, we sit on the couch... We take our provisions like potato chips and junk food and turn on the TV and, I don't know, maybe we watch Leave it to Beaver, George Lopez, or something like that. And there we sit. And before we know it, it's midday. (laughs) Before we know it after that, it's starting to get dark out. We have spent the whole day on the couch. Didn't move. That's no good. (laughs) You know it. I know it. We all know it. But what happens, though, we, you know, we open ourselves up. Not only do we have the disability, but we open ourselves up to other diseases. Diabetes, heart disease, stroke. You know, we're not moving. And that's no good for us either. And I'm not, no, I'm not a doctor. So I'm not telling you, I'm not telling you to do something without your doctor's orders or without your doctor's opinion. So whatever I'm telling you here today is just, suggestions that you should take to your doctor ask your doctor before you do anything or change your routine i just want to give you some food for thought okay one of the things that happens when you have a sedentary lifestyle is number one you can develop diabetes i know because i did another thing which is even well i won't say worse i'll say on the same line is heart disease. And again, I know because I did. I want to talk today about heart disease. I'm going to give you 10 signs of heart failure that you may not be aware of. Now, everybody's aware of the two major signs. The one that oh, you get that you get that pain going down your left arm. Everybody knows that you see it on TV, somebody grabs their left arm next thing you know they're on the floor then <laughs> you know that you know the scenario. The other one feels like you have an elephant sitting on your chest. Now, I've had two heart attacks. And I'll be honest with you, I never had the pain shooting down my left arm. And I never felt like I had an elephant sitting on my chest. Never. The first heart attack that I had, I had a pain in my elbow, in my left elbow. No pain in my arm, no radiating pain, no no radiating pain going into my jaw or anything like that. I had a pain in my elbow. And I'll tell you real quick, it was on a, it was on a Sunday, you know, midday. I had gone to the store for my wife. I went to Walmart actually. I was living in South Carolina. I went to the store and I picked up a couple of groceries while I was there. This is before I had my amputation or anything. And I went to pick up a gallon of milk, and I picked it up with my left hand, my and when I did, oh, I felt this shooting pain in my left elbow. I didn't know what I did to it. And I'm thinking to myself, now I'm sweating. And I'm thinking it's my diabetes acting up. It's my sugar. I'm thinking my sugar's low. That's what it felt like. It felt like low sugar. So I pushed the cart to the side, and I told the lady at the front door, can I leave this here for a second? I'll leave it with you. I just got to go outside, get some air. I took a Reese's peanut butter cup. I took the peanut butter cup out of the package. I put the package in the in the cart, and I took a bottle of soda. I told her, I said, my sugar is low, and she seen that I was sweating. She goes, go ahead. I took it outside, I ate the peanut butter cup, I drank a bottle of Coca-Cola, and I smoked a cigarette. I was smoking at the time. And I came back in, I felt a little bit better because I got the cold air on me. I came back in, I pushed the wagon over, I had the bottle with me, I put it in the cart. I went and I paid for my groceries, and by the time I got out to the car, I was soaking wet in sweat, my elbow was feeling a little bit better. I got in the car, and I drove home, and I felt nauseous. <laughs> I got home, and I got in the house, and my wife says, What is wrong with you? I said, oh, just hot. I said, My sugar's acting up. So I went in the bedroom, I changed out of the shirt, and I washed up a little bit. By the time I put the shirt back on and came back out, I was sweating through the shirt again. My wife looked at me, she says, you're gray. She says, do you feel all right? I said, yeah. I said, I'm just hot. I think my sugar's really low. She says, I think you're having a heart attack. I said, no, 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 my arms, I have no pain, nothing. So she calls uh, her aunt. Now my wife's a nurse, and she calls her aunt, who's also a nurse. And the next thing I know, she says, I'm gonna call an ambulance. I said, I'm not gonna have an ambulance. Long story short, went to the hospital, I had a heart attack. I didn't have all the symptoms that you normally see on TV or what they tell you about. I had a pain in my elbow, just the pain in my elbow. I had a heart attack. There's signs of a heart attack that we're not aware of, or heart failure that we're not aware of. And that's what I'm gonna give you today. I'm gonna to give you 10 signs of heart failure just so you're aware. The first, one of the first signs is you can't seem to catch your breath. Now, some people just pass that off And here's a quick anatomy refresher. The heart and the lungs are best pals when it comes to functionality, working together to make sure that your body has oxygen-rich blood. The right side of your heart takes the blood that's been depleted of oxygen and pumps it over the lungs so that it can get oxygen fresh. Since heart failure affects how well this elegant system operates, shortness of breath is a major sign of trouble. People feel air hunger, meaning no matter how deeply you inhale, you don't feel like you're getting enough oxygen. Exercise seems much harder than it should be. That feeling of air hunger can happen at rest, but it's especially acute with exertion. Even walking across the room can feel like too much effort. If you're trying to get in an actual workout, increased activity raises your heart rate. Which means it's trying to pump faster, and you could find yourself really gasping for air then. People often think they're just out of shape when you can't catch your breath. They think they need to get, you know, get to the gym, but what they need is to get to a doctor. Another one is lying down flat is a major problem. When you lie down, some of the blood in your legs goes back into your bloodstream. And that creates an increased amount returning to your heart. Usually the heart can handle it through its pumping mechanism. But with heart failure, it can keep up and it can cause more shortness of breath. You often find some relief through propping your head up, like with extra pillows. Relieving the pressure on your lungs, which is why cardiologists might ask you how many pillows you use to avoid feeling winded. Your doctor may ask you that. That's what he's getting at. Now, your legs and feet might swell up, too. When your heart isn't operating properly, it pumps less blood to your kidneys, and as a result, the organs compensate by retaining fluid. Most often, this shows up in your lower extremities, you you know, your feet, your shins. It's called edema. This puffiness in your legs and your arms and your feet tends to affect both sides, and it causes the skin to stretch and it gets shiny. It's also a telltale sign of edema if you press your finger into the swelling and the indentation stays for several seconds. That's also called pitting edema. Another sign is suddenly you're gaining weight. The fluid buildup that may be in your legs can back up higher into your abdomen and your arms. This rapid weight gain is often mistaken for fat accumulation, but it's actually water weight from fluid retention. This can happen suddenly, like seeing an additional five pounds over a few days, particularly in your belly, or having to pee much more often. All that fluid you're retaining has to go somewhere eventually, right? That's when you may find yourself always having to pee, especially multiple times in the middle of the night. Some people might brush this off as aging or drinking too much water during during the evening close to bedtime. Unfortunately, some people try to correct this issue by cutting down on water intake during the day. This can make fluid retention even worse since the body starts holding on to the water in order to prevent dehydration. This cycle gets even uglier with heart failure because the dehydration causes strain and increases your heart rate. Another thing to look out for is you're tired all the time. The way your body compensates during heart failure is to divert blood to vital organs, especially the brain, and to channel it away from less important areas like your muscles and limbs. This can lead to a feeling of weakness and fatigue. Nausea or lack of appetite can come out of nowhere. Another area of the body that the heart considers non-vital is when there's trouble, your digestive system. With blood being diverted, your stomach and gastrointestinal tract are getting less blood, and that can slow their functions way down. You might have a range of effects, including indigestion, lack of appetite, nausea, and constipation. Jeez, that's just what we need, right? Another thing is, you might become lightheaded or confused often. Even though the heart prioritizes brain function when there's an issue, heart failure might be caused by a circulation issue. When that happens, not enough blood may be reaching the brain, and that can lead to symptoms like dizziness, mild disorientation, confusion, or even challenges with memory and concentration. In extreme cases, you may even experience fainting. Another thing is, your hands and your feet are always cold multiple woolen layers of socks and mittens are doing nothing to help your icy feet and hands that could be another symptom of circulation issues potentially brought on by heart failure but this is the kind of sign that's not enough on its own especially because it's common for people to have colder hands and feet in general however If you experience this as well as several others on this list, they could all be connected. It's critical to see a doctor, although there are certain tactics that can help address minor symptoms. Prop your head up at night, drink more water, don't smoke. This isn't an issue to try and tackle on your own though. The sooner you can get your heart checked out, especially if your symptoms are more minor, the more chance you have to improve your heart function and avoid potential heart attacks. Of course, there are great heart-healthy lifestyle habits that will be invaluable for the long-term change. But if you're experiencing any of the symptoms listed here, it's possible you may need a short-term intervention, like medication, to make sure your heart gets back on track. And what about sex? Is sex good for the heart? We'll find out next. Here's some more information about heart health. I found it in a publication called Health Beat, and it's from the Harvard Medical School. So I'm gonna have Dave share this with you. So sit back and relax. This is about your heart health and (laughs) sex. So I know you're gonna be interested in this. So sit back, relax,
1: have a cup of coffee, and listen to this. Take it away, Dave. At some time in his life, nearly every man gets exercised about sex. And as many men get older, they wonder if sex is a good form of exercise or if it's too strenuous for the heart. These questions may sound like locker room banter, but they are actually quite important, and they now have solid scientific answers. Is sex exercise? And is it hard on the heart? Treadmill vs. Mattress To evaluate the cardiovascular effects of sexual activity, researchers monitored volunteers while they walked on a treadmill in the lab and during private sexual activity at home. In addition to 13 women, the volunteers included 19 men with an average age of 55. About three-quarters of the men were married, and nearly 70% had some form of cardiovascular disease, 53% were taking beta-blockers. Despite their cardiac histories, the men reported exercising about four times a week, and they reported having sexual activity about six times a month on average. Researchers monitored heart rate and blood pressure during standard treadmill exercise tests and during, usual, sexual activity with a familiar partner at home. All the sex acts concluded with vaginal intercourse and male orgasm. Disappointingly, perhaps, the treadmill proved more strenuous. On an intensity scale of 1 to 5, with 5 being the highest, men evaluated treadmill exercise as 4.6 and sex as 2.7. Sex was even less strenuous for women in terms of heart rate, blood pressure, and perceived intensity of exertion. Sex is exercise. Men seem to spend more energy thinking and talking about sex than on the act itself. During sexual intercourse, a man's heart rate rarely gets above 130 beats a minute, and his systolic blood pressure, the higher number, recorded when the heart is pumping blood, nearly always stays under 170. All in all, average sexual activity ranks as mild to moderate in terms of exercise intensity. As for oxygen consumption, it comes in at about 3.5 mets, metabolic equivalents, which is about the same as doing the foxtrot, raking leaves, or playing ping-pong. Sex burns about 5 calories a minute, that's four more than a man uses watching TV, but it's about the same as walking the course to play golf. If a man can walk up two or three flights of stairs without difficulty, he should be in shape for sex. Sex is sex. Raking leaves may increase a man's oxygen consumption, but it probably won't get his motor running. Sex, of course, is different, and the excitement and stress might well pump out extra adrenaline. Both mental excitement and physical exercise increase adrenaline levels and can trigger heart attacks and arrhythmias, abnormalities of the heart's pumping rhythm. Can sex do the same? In theory, it can. But in practice, it's really very uncommon, at least during conventional sex with a familiar partner. Careful studies show that fewer than one of every 100 heart attacks is related to sexual activity, and for fatal arrhythmias the rate is just 1 in 200. Put another way, for a healthy 50-year-old man, the risk of having a heart attack in any given hour is about 1 in a million. Sex doubles the risk, but it's still just 2 in a million. For men with heart disease, the risk is 10 times higher, but even for them, the chance of suffering a heart attack during sex is just 20 in a million. Those are pretty good odds. How about Viagra? Until recently, human biology has provided unintentional and perhaps unwanted, protection for men with heart disease. That's because many of the things that cause heart disease, such as smoking, diabetes, high blood pressure, and abnormal cholesterol levels, also cause erectile dysfunction. The common link is atherosclerosis, which can damage arteries in the penis as well as in the heart. Sildenafil, Viagra, Vardenafil, Levitra, Tadalafil, Cialis, and Ivanafil, Cendra, have changed that. About 70% of men with erectile dysfunction, ED, respond to the ED pills well enough to enable sexual intercourse. Sex may be safe for most men with heart disease, but are ED pills a safe way to have sex? For men with stable coronary artery disease and well-controlled hypertension, the answer is yes, with one very, very important qualification. Men who are taking nitrate medications in any form cannot use ED pills. This restriction covers all preparations of nitroglycerin, including long-acting nitrates, nitroglycerin sprays, patches, and pastes, and amyl nitrate. Fortunately, other treatments for erectile function are safe for men with heart disease, even if they are using nitrates. Safe sex. Sex is a normal part of human life. For all men, whether they have heart disease or not, the best way to keep sex safe is to stay in shape by avoiding tobacco exercising regularly, eating a good diet, staying lean, and avoiding too much, or too little, alcohol. Needless to say, men should not initiate sexual activity if they are not feeling well, and men who experience possible cardiac symptoms during sex should interrupt the sexual activity at once. With these simple guidelines and precautions, sex is safe for the heart, but it should be safe for the rest of the body, too. Sexually transmitted diseases pose a greater threat than sexually induced heart problems. When it comes to sex, men should use their brains as well as their hearts. This information was provided by HealthBeat. And now, back to Jimmy.
0: There's a lot of good information there, but I want to remind you, even if you've only had a minor cardiac event or you've had a full-blown heart attack, before resuming any of your regular activities, and that includes sex, always check with your doctor first. And another thing, if during sex or any of your regular activities, if you feel a twinge of pain or something that you might say feels like something cardiac, uh, a pressure on your chest, um, a feeling in your left arm, even your right arm, it, 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 it's not limited to your left arm. Anything you feel might be cardiac related, stop what you're doing and call your doctor. If it's severe, call an ambulance. Don't play with don't play with your heart. Don't take chances, don't be macho, don't be "Oh, it'll go away, it's just gas." If it lasts a couple of seconds and it gets intense, get to a hospital. Call your doctor, get to a hospital. Don't play games with your heart. You only have one <laughs> and you don't want you don't want it to stop on you, trust me. So don't play games. If you feel something's cardiac related, if you can't catch your breath, it's better to err on the side of caution. Okay? Let's move on here. Thanks for stopping by today and being the most important part of an Apple a Day, the listener. And I want to remind you, Monday, October 3rd, is the start of the 5-Minute Fritter, the daily 5-minute podcast from an Apple a Day, as well as we still have the Apple a Day podcast once a week. So please be there, check it out. And I want to remind you, my friends, things can always be worse. That's right. Right now, there's somebody somewhere wishing that they were in your position so things can always be worse. You've been listening to An Apple A Day. My name is Jimmy Apple, and I'll talk to you again real soon. Have a great day, my friends.
1: Thanks for listening to An Apple A Day with Jimmy Apple, your gateway to a happy, healthy life. Join our community at www.famousapple.com. See you next time.